be seated. It's great to be among you this evening. And uh, if you want to know any of uh, stories about Richard, you can come see me afterwards and uh, maybe tell you a few things. Maybe uh, Richard's now going to be nervous for the rest of the evening, wondering what it might be that I could uh, could say. <laughs> but uh, yes, it's great to be with you. If you could turn, please, in your Bibles to Psalm 107. We're going to, to look at this psalm this evening. And uh, I hope that you will go away encouraged. I hope that you will go away challenged. Um, encouraged at what God has done and challenged of what God might do um, for those who don't know him. That what he has already done for you. Psalm 107, it reads, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them, and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor and they fell down with none to help. But then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools and through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destruction. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord and his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and he raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea, and they mounted up to heaven and they went down to the depths their courage melted away in their evil plight they reeled and they staggered like drunken men and they were at their wits end then they cried to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress he made the storms be still and the waves of the sea were hushed then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven let them thank the lord for his steadfast love 
for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Because he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water and parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and they plant vineyards and they get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. And when they are diminished and brought low through oppression and evil and sorrow, he pours contempt on the princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening. We come to you this evening with the joy in our hearts, the joy of the knowledge of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the joy of salvation, the joy of knowing you, and the joy of knowing your son and our sins forgiven. Lord, we ask that this evening as we we look to your word, that you would speak to us and that you would come by your spirit and that you would challenge us and you would drive us on to be greater servants used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. That's how this psalm begins. I wonder if you even just think about that one statement. We're giving thanks to the Lord because he is good. Do you believe that God is good? There are many people in this world who do not believe God is good, certainly not the Christian God. The Christian God is seen in our contemporary world as one who oppresses. In some cases, he is the, he is the problem. He is not the answer. There is a, an issue in Canada where there have been over 90 churches have been burnt to the ground. There are people who have decided that they think it's a really good idea to burn down churches because they see that Christianity, the God of the Bible, they don't believe this statement that God is good. And so I think that's a challenge to us as Christians that we want to hold on to that fact and that we want to tell the world and that we want to gather together as Christians and we want to sing about the fact that God is good and that his steadfast love endures forever. And it's a command here in verse two. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. And so that's a question to you this evening. Is that something that you can say? Has the Lord redeemed you from trouble? And it says that the Lord has gathered the redeemed. It says he's gathered them from the lands. He's gathered them from the east. He's gathered them from the west. He's gathered them from the north. And he's gathered them from the south. 
And so that's the picture we have here of how the Lord has gathered together his people from among the earth. It's a redeemed people. The background to the psalm is, is most likely um, thinking about the Exodus or thinking about when they return from Babylon, how God has gathered his people. But the context of the psalm is that it seems greater than that. It seems to be the idea that all of God's redeemed people who have been rescued in some way over the biblical timeline. And of course, today, when we, we look at it from a New Testament perspective, it speaks to us of how God has redeemed us from the situations that we find ourselves. So it's an invitation to gather together and to sing of God's love, something that we have already done this morning, but we, sorry, this evening. But we notice that there are four distinct little pictures that the psalmist gives us. And it creates, one, a calamity that only God can fix. There's a crying out in distress that only God can hear. And there's a cure, there is an answer that only God can bring. And there's a celebration of thankfulness of which only God can is worthy. And so that brings us to verse 4. And it brings us to the first picture. And we have the wanderers. If you like music like me, that immediately thinks of that old song, The Wanderers. They call you the wanderers who roam around, around, around. But that's what these people were doing. They were the wanderers. They were roaming. They hadn't a clue how to find a place of safety. They were lost. Is there ever a time in your life where you considered yourself a wanderer? Were you lost? If you're ever lost in a desert, I haven't been, but I wouldn't advise it. But I would say that if you're wandering in a desert, which is the picture that we have here, Food and water, you can only have what you carry with you. And if they run down and you're lost, you're going to be in trouble if you don't have food and water in a desert, especially water. And so they're wandering in verse 4 in desert wastes, and they're finding no way to a city to dwell in. They do not have Google Maps, either that or their sat-nav is on the blink. They don't have a map. They're lost. So that is the calamity or the problem. They're lost. Someone needs to help them. In thinking of directions of how we find our way or we wander through life, I wonder if you're concerned with which side of history, you know, that, that, that people might view that you may be on after you are not here. Do you think that the isms of this world or the philosophies of this world, Marxism, the SJWs, politics, capitalism, Islam, Buddhism, New Age, are these ideologies, will they help you find your way home? Jordan Peterson, a <clears throat> Canadian, 
who finds himself in controversy every now and again, he made this remarkable statement. He said, ideologies, they are like crippled religions. That's the right way to think about them. They're like a religion that's missing an arm or a leg, but can still hobble along, and it provides a certain amount of security and group identity. But it is warped and twisted and demented and bent. It's a parasite of something underlying that's rich and true. I think that's remarkable. The only thing that I would disagree is is that it's everything except Christianity, that that's what that describes. But I think that's a remarkable statement. He said, these ideologies are like a deformed person in that they they hobble around, but they're not complete. They're like a map that only has half a page. It won't get you to your destination. It won't feed you. It won't give you the sustenance to what you need. So are you lost this morning? Are you looking for a home? Are you even lost in your own body, not knowing who you are or what you are? I would encourage you to to do what the individuals here who are lost do. When they find themselves in that situation, in verse 6, it's the cure. Because they cry out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And he led them by a straight way. Isn't that the call of the gospel to everybody? that you would come to to him. He is the, the narrow way. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the way through life. He is the way to a city that's builder and maker is God. Isn't that what um, Abraham was looking for? He was looking for a city not made by man. And if we're going to go through this journey of life, through the desert of life, we need direction. We need a map and we need someone to lead us to that city. And so he led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. See, the proper response to God's goodness, the proper response to God providing a way for us is to praise him. If you knew the Lord, you may be able to relate to that picture. There was a time when you were lost. You did not know what you were here on earth for. You did not know the way. But now you can rejoice with other Christians and say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And so we move on to Picture number two. And here we have, we had the wanderers, and now we have the prisoners. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God. We know many people like that. Maybe they grew up in the church. They heard the word of God preached. They knew the Ten Commandments. They went to Sunday school or they heard it in their their RS classes. But they decided, you know what? I know better. 
I'm going to ignore the words of God. And they spurn the wisdom and the counsel of the Most High. And so as a result of that, and we see that in, in the life of Israel, when the children of Israel rebelled, they ended up, where did they end up? They ended up in Babylon, didn't they? Because they sinned against God, he removed them from the land. And so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. And they fell down with none to help. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. So they find themselves in a, in a prison cell. People can end up in prison for all sorts of reasons. I was in Sunday school this morning, and we were thinking about poor Joseph. Poor Joseph. The only thing he was guilty of was being a bit of a bragger. His brothers didn't like him, and then he ended up in jail for running away from sin. He ended up in an Egyptian prison. Or Paul and Silas, they ended up in jail for preaching the gospel. But the people here, they've ended up in jail because they've disobeyed the word of God. They were suffering hard labor. And this is the tragic, tragic, tragic situation. In verse 12, when they fell down, there was no one to pick them up. I would suggest to you has your sin got you trapped? Are you in a prison of your own making? Verse 13 says that they again, they cried out to the Lord. Remember, it was the problem that only God can fix. It's the problem that only God can hear. And it's the answer, the cure that only God can bring. That will bring the response that only God is worthy of. Are you crying out today? Has something got a grip on you that you thought you had under control? Is something putting you into a prison? Have you got an addiction? Whether that's substance or technology? Have you lost control of your emotions? Your anger, your lusts? Are you bound up in a, in a prison of lies that you've created for yourself? Or is it your actions? Stealing, being mean, unkind, have you become unwelcome and you've created for yourself a prison through sin? I would encourage you to cry out this evening because God not only can break physical chains, but he can break the ones we forge through sin, the spiritual chains. It says in fourteen that he, verse 14, he brought them out of darkness you see, our God is a God who can break chains. We think of Paul and Silas when they were in the prison and they praised God and God broke their chains. But the old hymn says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. And I woke, the dungeon flamed with light because my chains fell off and my heart was free. I rose and I went forth and I followed thee. The words of Charles Wesley in that famous hymn. So he was able to set the prisoner free. And he's able to set you free. 
if you're having a problem, if your sin has got you trapped, God can set you free. It says in verse 16, for he shatters the doors of bronze and he cuts in two the bars of iron. Our God is not a weak God. He's not someone who cannot help. He's strong enough to kick down the steel doors that you're behind. He's a God that can come and rescue. It says that he shatters the doors of bronze. And so our response to a God like that is the same. It's the same response. We need to give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. He's good because he can provide us with a way through this world, a way home to a city that is good. And he's good because he can break us out of the jail of sin that we have put ourselves into. And that brings us then to picture three. And in verse 17, we have the foolish individuals. It says some were fools through their sinful ways. I don't know about you, but I never find a, a wise sinner. You ever met a wise sinner? No. When we sin, we're foolish. <clears throat> The Bible says that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Sin is foolishness. And because of their foolishness, they suffered affliction. And it got to the point where they loathed any kind of food and they even drew near to the gates of death. In other words, they're, they're just at the, that, that statement, they were at death's door. They'd gotten to the point where almost their next breath, that's going to be their last breath. It's interesting that, that when we get to that point of death, a loss of appetite is sometimes something that is, 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 um, is very common amongst those who are drawing near to death. They, they lose the, even the very desire for food and sustenance, which obviously if we don't eat, our bodies are going to, to waste away. But sin had got them into such foolishness. You say to me, come on, sin can't be that foolish. I'd like to draw your attention to a newspaper article by the New York Post. And so this is a, an influencer. If you know what an influencer is, that's beyond my, um, my generation. But apparently influencers are really in, they're really cool. They exist in a world called TikTok, which I don't understand, but apparently people go on to TikTok and they, they tell people things and that makes them popular and they influence others into doing those things. And this was uh, an influencer and she was a vegan influencer. And her name was, I'll pronounce this wrong, but it was Anana Sasanova. Obviously she wasn't from Dundonald. And she died, reportedly, from starvation. I don't want to make a, a joke out of tragedy. But this 
poor lady a few weeks, I think, before she died. This was her vision through life. She posted this on her, I think, her Instagram account, another one of those worlds that I don't exist in, and she says, life is meaningless but worth living. I think that's a confused statement. Provided you recognize it's meaningless. Life is meaningless, but worth living, provided you realize that it's meaningless. That was the, the worldview of Zanana. The age of 39, all she would eat is this particular fruit, that she exotic fruit in Malaysia. And one of her friends said, you don't need to be a doctor to understand where this will lead. In her foolishness, in her vegan ideas, she thought if she just ate these particular foods that she would be okay. She denied the reality of biology. She denied the reality of what the doctor tells us and, and what um, the specialists tell us are, are a good, healthy diet that will help us thrive. And as a result, she ignored all of that, thought she knew best, and died of starvation. And I think that's the kind of foolishness that the psalmist is getting at. Foolishness that will lead us to our own demise. But unlike that poor lady, they did something else. They, in verse 19, they did the same as the wanderers. They did the same as the prisoners, the fools. There's hope for you tonight if you're a fool. If you, you were a fool, like me, you can also then cry out to the Lord. It says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destruction. Are you in trouble? Are you in a mess of your own making? Do you feel like you just can't go on? Have you lost your appetite for life, for food? There is hope, there's hope. In a steadfast, in the steadfast love of the Lord. Cry out to God. He sent his word and he healed them. Hear the word of the Lord this evening. Turn to God from your distress and be healed. In verse 21, we need to thank the Lord for his steadfast love. We need to offer sacrifices of worship. We need to offer our lives as Hebrews 12 verse 1 encourages us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. We need to sing the songs of joy. We need to join in the chorus. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. When the culture tells us that God is not good, we can say God is good, because he can help the wanderer. He can help those who are in distress. He can help those who are fools and are sick. He can help those who are in prison and have been rejected by the world. And then lastly, we, we come to this other group, starting in verse 23, and they are the merchants who seal. I don't know many high flyers, but I'm sure that you know some high flyers, and they're out there, and they're living the dream. They're living the dream on the stock market. They're living the dream on the housing market. 
They're out there sailing the financial oceans. And they're doing their trade. And that's the picture that we have here. We have merchants who sail and merchants who are, are doing business. Some went down to the, 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 the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. And they saw the deeds of the Lord and his wondrous works in the deep. So there they are. They're out sailing, enjoying themselves, making money. But you know what they cannot control? They cannot control the weather. See, we cannot control what's going to come tomorrow. Many people before the the financial crisis of uh, the past years, many of them didn't see that it was coming. Because a storm ensued. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat. Um, I would say many of you have. I'm not sure if many of you have ever been caught on a storm on a boat. I can say that I have done both of those things and I'm not a great traveler. My dad, however, is a bit like, a, a, you know, the most hardened sailor you can imagine. I was traveling back from Wales. We were going in through Dublin and it was a windy night. There was that sort of idea, you know, the boat may sail, it may not sail. And we're like, oh, get us on the boat. Once I was on the boat, I was like, I wish it never sailed. And so the boat set off from Wales and it was traveling through into Dublin and it was okay while it was in, you know, the, the confines of the lock, you know, in harbor. But once it got out in the open sea, it was like roller coaster city. The boat went up and the boat went down. And everybody on the boat, bar the barman and my dad, the barman was there cleaning glasses and, and helping everybody out. And everybody else was in the toilets or running around. You know, it was chaos. It was it was awful. And I was among the people who were just retching the whole time. I don't mean to, uh, if, you're, if you're squeamish, it was, that was it. Everyone on the boat, I kid you not. My dad slept through the whole thing. It was worse than that. The picture of the storm that these sailors are enduring was worse than that storm. And I'll tell you why. It says that they, they, it mounted up to the heaven and they went down to the depths. I felt like I was going that high, but this is a, a bigger storm. And it says that their courage melted away in their evil plight. I was feeling a little bit ill, but these people thought the boat was going down. And the idea here is that they are seasoned sailors. So they're a bit like the barman. They just think, oh, it's only, only water. Get this all the time. But even... The seasoned sailors, they had lost, in a sense, the way to live. They were their wits end. They didn't know what to do. They were in panic mode. All of their skills in sailing, all of the storms they'd seen before couldn't help them. They were in trouble. It reminds you of the story of Jonah. How are we going to get out of this mess? You know? If we throw Jonah overboard, it's going to be all good. Okay, let's do that. And they didn't know what to do. They were at their wit's end. Are you all at sea tonight? 
There's a Basque proverb that goes like this. Let him who knows not how to pray go to sea. So there you go. If you're struggling with your prayer life, go find a storm and a boat. And uh, that will certainly encourage you to pray according to the Basque proverb. Well, the people here in this psalm, they prayed. They cried out to the Lord. Have you put your trust in your job rather than your Lord? Are you relying on the world of business and finance to navigate your way through the world rather than putting your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is God trying to catch your attention through the storm that you might be going through? Perhaps you're like Job, you're in the midst of a storm that you did not create. You just happened to be on the boat. There is hope again this evening, and his name is Jesus. It reminds us of the, the, the story in the gospel when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee. And where was he? He was like my dad. He was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And the storm, it came came out of nowhere and the disciples who were again fishermen and they were like let's go down and wake, wake up Jesus and they say to him don't you you care that we're all about to drown Are you, do, you not, do you not care for our, our safety and Jesus gets up and he says peace be still and the storm ceased that's just what happens here for the people in Psalm 107. It says, he made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. And then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. You know, when that boat made it to Dublin, I was, I was pleased. I was glad to get off the boat set my feet down on solid ground and that I had made it through to the other side. This evening, if you are in the midst of a storm, I would encourage you to do what the psalmist says, that you would call out to the Lord because we can rely on the steadfast love of the Lord because he is good. In the providence of God, through all of life's trials, whether we're lost, whether we have no way to go, whether we're lost at sea, whether we're lost in a prison, whether we're sick because of our sin, we can call out to the Lord and that he can help us and he can save us. When we look to our, our nation and we say, Lord, what are we going to do? The nation are sinning. The nation's just getting worse and worse and worse. What will we do? Well, we can trust. We can trust in the Lord. And that's what the last part of the psalm, I believe, is telling us. It says that he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground. There was a time that Northern Ireland was just fields and a few farmers. Now, today, we have a 
a great civilization. We've got a hospital across the road. We've got schools. But it might not always be like that. Because if the nation turns away from God, the Bible says here that he can just as easily turn a pool into a desert as turn a desert into a pool. And the reason that he would do it is because of sin. And the reason that he would do it is so that in your sin that you might, under judgment, call out to the Lord and realize that he is good. Isn't that what verse 43 is asking us to consider? Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things and let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Do we believe that God is good? It's a hymn by Henry Kirk White, and he was sort of thinking about that idea of being lost at sea. Once on the raging seas I rode, the storm was loud, the night was dark, the ocean yawned and rudely blowed, the wind that tossed my foundering bark. Deep horror then, my vitals froze, death struck, I ceased the tide to stem. When suddenly a star arose, it was the star of Bethlehem. It was my guide, my light, my all. It bade my dark foreboding cease. And through the storm and dangerous straw, it led me to the port of peace. Now safely moored, my perils over. I'll sing first in night's diadem. Forever and forevermore, the star, the star of Bethlehem. Do you need to find a port of peace this evening? I would encourage you to call out to the Lord. We're going to pray, and then after we pray, we're going to stand together, and we're going to give, sing again, give thanks to the Lord. And, so, and then Brian is going to come to us, and uh, we're going to gather around uh, the, Lord's, the Lord's table. But let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for the richness of this psalm. We thank you, Lord, that in some way, Lord, you lived out this psalm for us all. Lord, that in these four pictures that the psalmist has painted, Lord, you were the traveler. You came from heaven and you walked the way so that we could follow. Lord, you went into the wilderness and you were tempted of the devil, but you overcame your time in the desert. Lord, you were taken prisoner and you were bound like a common thief and you were put behind locked doors. but you overcame the prison so that we might go free. Lord, you were not just brought close to death, Lord, but you endured death. And you endured death not for your own wrongdoing, but for our sin, for you are sinless. Yet through your death, that the wrath of God that was reserved for me, that was reserved for us, Lord, it was poured out upon you and it is through your death that we can become the redeemed of the Lord. And Lord, you showed us 
than in the Gospels, that the unexpected storms, those things that are beyond our control, the waves of life may be great, but Lord, that you can quiet those storms. And Lord, your resurrection, it gives us the assurance that there is nothing that can prevent us from getting to our new home. Lord, you said that you have gone to prepare us, for, to prepare such a home for us. Lord, would you forgive us of our own personal prisons of sin? Lord, through the cross, Lord, will, we, will you grant us forgiveness? Lord, those who are struggling with the effects of sin and the circumstances of life, Lord, like the great waves of the ocean throwing our lives into chaos, Lord, we ask that you would come by your spirit and that you would bring salvation in those situations. We ask these things in your name. Amen.